Good morning, everyone. It's really a privilege for Linda and I to share some time with you this morning as we share a reading from Romans chapter 8 from the Passion Translation, and we'd be looking at verses 1 to 13. And the reading is entitled, Living by the Power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a very powerful reading and has a lot for us all to think about within it. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. For the law of the Spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed with humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction, because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. Now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. Well, good morning, Life Source Church. It is wonderful to be able to be here before you this morning on your screens and your devices at home wherever you may be today wherever you may be sitting it's wonderful to be able to come and share the good news of jesus christ with you right here right now on this fine sunday morning it's been a beautiful week and we've been able to enjoy the wonderful sunshine and even the rain that the lord has provided for us and what an answer to prayer that has been i want to welcome you this morning uh, if you're tuning in for the first time or if you're tuning in 
Uh, every week with us, we just want to say g'day and thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, I also want to welcome you to our new series, a series beginning today where I'll take three weeks and then have a break and then take another three weeks to open up Help for Today and Hope for Tomorrow. That is the title of our series and I'm really looking forward to digging into this word. This, this is a series that has been uh, put together by our church, uh, CFC Church down in Seaton, that's Christian Family Centre, Pastor Bill Vasilakis and his team there. They're working through this as we speak even today. They're just a, a couple of weeks ahead of us, but uh, I bring it to you today, hopefully from the perspective of what God is wanting to say Jesus to us. Person. Let so us Jesus. begin by saying this, Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit is our very present help for today and the rock solid hope for tomorrow and all eternity. Because of Jesus' saving work on our behalf and the Father's sending of the Spirit, we are never alone and never abandoned and never powerless. Because we belong to Jesus and are indwelt by the Spirit, we are always secure and victorious in Him. No matter what we face throughout our life on earth, nothing and no one can separate us from God's love. Over the next six weeks, um, as we're dealing in the midst of much uncertainty and anxiety and, and you know, even national trauma, as we've been navigating this whole area of, uh, you know, the, the COVID-19 and that sort of stuff, we're going to proclaim the greatest news in the world. And I'm looking forward to proclaiming Jesus. Amen. Let us just take a moment to begin in prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you right now. In fact, Holy Spirit, I want to invite you in to this place. Will you come and share with us individually and corporately? Holy Spirit, bring the word of God to life in our hearts that will bring a transformation in our minds that will help us to unpack this wonderful journey of hope that is Jesus. Lord, I thank you and welcome you by the presence of your spirit in the room right now, in our homes, and with our families and friends. Amen. Amen. So just by way of introduction into today's message, uh, let me say this. For Christ's followers, the reality of his presence in us brings great joy, abiding peace, freedom, and victory. This is a reality we are to explore today. Not only that, but Jesus' incomparably great power or in another way, his enabling presence, his very presence of grace with us, which we can unpack and unfold in Ephesians 1 verse 19, is available to those who believe him even now in times of crisis and trial. His spirit is always mobilizing us as his church to be Christ's witnesses and minister to humanity's deepest needs. Do you believe that? That is our call as the church to do such a thing. And we do so together. Today's message is built upon the first 11 verses of Romans chapter 8. And I want to just say thank you to Mr. and Mrs. Fox, both David and Linda, as they read to us this morning. Uh, Romans 8, 1 to 13 from the Passions translation. And I just really am blessed to have them introduce our sermon today. In fact, this entire series comes from the wonderful foundational chapter that is Romans chapter 8. In truths 
or the truths that are found within this chapter have transformed my life and have meant so much to me as I have walked this journey with the Holy Spirit. And let me say, none so more now than when we are walking in the journey we are in, even this week. Jesus, by the real presence of the Holy Spirit, is our ever-present help today and our security and hope for our journey and our eternal future to come. This reality speaks of God's grace to help us overcome any and all circumstances that come our way. Because of Jesus' saving work and the gift of the Holy Spirit to each of us, when Jesus ascended, we are never alone, which is actually, in fact, the title of today's message. We are never alone. Church, we are not abandoned in Christ, for he has sent his spirit to dwell within those who would call upon his name and those who would believe unto salvation. We are believers Sorry, we as believers are not powerless and because we are not abandoned, we are always secure and always victorious in him. In spite of our circumstances and situations, in spite of what is happening around us and even in this world, like right now, in spite of all of these things, no one and nothing is able to separate us from the depths and security of God's love, sealed by the indwelling promise of his Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of Christ himself manifest in my life and in your life. We are living in this great age of God's saving grace and the great age of the outpouring of God's Spirit unto salvation and transformation. And we are called to be confident in the reality that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Romans is such a magnificent book. And the Apostle Paul spends the first seven chapters, the first seven chapters opening up to us what is known and what is accomplished by Jesus dying for us on the cross. It is unfolding our right standing before God. Interestingly, the Holy Spirit in these first seven chapters is only mentioned four times. This shows Paul's focus in these first chapters was developing a foundation that it is because of the work of Jesus Christ at Calvary that we have right standing before God. But then we see within the scriptures a transition, a shifting when we come into chapter 8. There is a, a sense of outlining the work of salvation which transitions to us being able to walk in the power which helps us overcome temptation in the flesh it is the work of the Holy Spirit living before God as he has called us and how he provides power to achieve this. This is actually his grace. We come to chapter eight where Holy Spirit is mentioned an amazing 20 times. And in fact, in the first 11 chapters, he's mentioned no less than 11 times, depending on what version you're reading from. It's an interesting sense that he goes from chapter 7, where in the first seven chapters, Holy Spirit mentioned four times, to chapter 8, and in the first 11 verses, no less than 11 times. Praise God. How wonderful is that? It is in these passages that we discover that we are not alone. We have not been left as orphans. We have not been abandoned. 
We are not limited in our resources to fulfill the call of Jesus. He gives us real and daily help because of the work and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is help to overcome, to overcome sin, to help us overcome the flesh, help to build our confidence and help to share our testimonies of what God is doing right now in my life. Romans 8 begins with an amazing promise that the apostle pens to us because of his own struggles and failures trying to overcome this world. Church, I don't know about you, but I think about these things and I begin to wonder, am I the only one that goes through personal struggles? And yet I don't think I am. Church, I don't think I'm the only one that goes through these struggles in life. This week, just so that I can be with, I'm with you and you're with me let, me, let me say to you, this week has been a tough week for me, not because of anything outside of my own doing, but in my own self, my own lack of confidence, I have struggled and had to go through a valley in this time. In leading up to giving this message, in particular, the weekend just passed, I've suffered with a massive migraine, a massive sinus infection, and I don't know why, but I have come to the place of challenging and thinking, what am I doing? What is God doing in my life? It is hard at times to remain at hope in the midst of the battle, but church, no matter what you're doing. I can remember even as early as Monday this week, on my knees in the shower, just crying out to God, Lord, take this off of my life. Set me free. I'm not fit. I'm not ready. I can't do it anymore. But you know, it's within the acknowledgement that I can't do it, that I come to the understanding that the Holy Spirit within me can. And I'm able to overcome whatever situation I'm walking through, whatever trial it is that I'm coming up against. Church, we need to understand that this message is as much for you as it is for me. I need this message today. And it's time that we get real with one another. But you see, chapter 7 concludes with the very struggle of Paul himself. He begins to talk about not just in his own self, but the challenges to us as Christians. And that struggle is all too real for you and I. The battle that I do what I do not want to do, but don't do what I should, culminating with the conclusion that we are wretched men due to the sin nature within inside of us. And it leads us all to this place where we ask, who can save me or who can save this body from death? And in verse 25 of Romans chapter 7, Paul writes the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is this triumphant decree that if I can't do it, God will do it in me through Jesus Christ. And in fact, the indwelling presence of Jesus in my life. While Paul is writing, he seems to be tapping into the thought of every Christ follower that was with him and would come after him. While Jesus has paid the price for my sin on the cross and he now has victory over sin and death, triumphant in his resurrection, 
Why is it, church, that you and I still battle with these things? That the law condemns me as a sinner, yet I am free from the guilt of such sin in Jesus alone. It is with the first verse of Romans that we see our first profound truth for today. Number one, I am eternally secure through the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you read this in another version, a version that may have got some of the other manuscripts, there is this, this extra clause in there that says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. While it might not be in the earliest of manuscripts, it gives us the prescription of how to walk this out. Not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Paul was writing of our wretchedness and then proclaims one of the gospel's greatest promises, that those who are in Christ Jesus stand no longer condemned. Can you say amen with me? Stand no longer condemned before God as wretched and sinful. Paul asks, who can save? And in his answer, he proclaims Jesus alone through the victory at Calvary and his work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. I am eternally secure through the work of Jesus Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit. I am no longer under the jailer's control. Sin has no dominion over me. I no longer stand convicted, but free. Jesus breaks condemnation off my life and replaces it with his indwelling spirit, whose purpose is to lead me into all understanding. From sinner to saint, from death to life, from corruption of the flesh to walking in the spirit-filled, empowered life. Jesus breaks open the prison cells of bondage under sin and says, I am no longer under the conviction of guilt. No condemnation, only acceptance. And he gives us the means by which to walk out of the prison cell. But many of us don't embrace the means. The door is open. The jail is open. We are free, but we resist the leading of the Holy Spirit who would lead us into all freedom. This leads me to my second point for today. That if I am eternally secure through the work of Jesus and his indwelling spirit, I am internally, internally free because the spirit of God lives in me. Romans 8, 2. And because you belong to him, you and I, we belong to him, church. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In chapter 7, Paul discusses the law, that we were in covenant with the law. This, this, is, this is like being in a marriage with the law, that we were bonded or engaged to another, but through death, because the only thing that, that can break or, or supersede the covenant is death, just like a husband and a wife. When you think about that, to death do us part. The covenant is broken through death. It was through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that this covenant was dealt with, done away with, and that we are betrothed now to another. You and I are betrothed to Christ. We are uh, sorry, emancipated 
from the life of sin. This means free from bondage and slavery, no longer constrained or restricted by a vow. That's an amazing promise that we are free internally because the bonds or the, the bondage to the law is now dealt with through death of Jesus. He fulfilled the law that we may live in the new covenant of liberty. Friends, we are no longer under obligation. We are no longer constrained to do what we do not want to do now. That is, we are not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh and we are free from the compulsion to do so. The very things that separated me from God have lost their power and I am internally free from the bondage to it as I walk in the life-giving power of the Spirit. And it's his purpose in our life to administer deliverance in our life and set us free to renew our mind and transform the way we think, to lead us from darkness and into light, whether it's from addiction and bondage to freedom and liberty. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit's role is to set us free and to lead us in to liberty. We are transformed from death unto life. I am eternally, internally free because the Spirit lives in me. Church, you are internally free when the Spirit lives and dwells and has dominion in your life. We've all been where Paul was in chapter 7. You know, the old, uh, like I said before, I don't want to do this, but I do it anyway kind of thing. Your Christian journey can be likened to a car at this point. I just want to draw down to a practical example for us. The car is a complex machine, just like you and I are complex. The car has all of the right parts in all of the right places to be able to create uh, the ability to drive horsepower to go up a hill, to take off at speed, to get us from A to B. But let me say, if the car had no fuel, then I would be doomed to have to push that car uphill. And I don't know about you, but I don't, I've pushed cars before and it's no fun having to push a car up a hill. Just ask Fred Flintstone, he had to use his feet to pedal power his car. I wouldn't like to be in that situation. Did you know that a person has everything that they need already in their body to live a good life? Not a holy life, but a good life. Yet he will be doing so out of his own strength. Church, if you're trying to live a good life, if you're trying to overcome, if you're trying to do all of these things, you're doing so out of the strength of yourself. And that doesn't get you anywhere. It's like pushing a car uphill. The Holy Spirit is like the fuel that is in the car that you and I drive. The Holy Spirit will spark in your life with his conviction to move you in the right directions from a place of acceptance in Jesus. Just as you hit the key on your ignition and it causes the fuel to be ignited by the spark and combustion happens. When the Holy Spirit hits your life in a way where you relinquish control to him, you are able to go from A to B much easier than if you were to push that car all on your own. I am free internally when I relinquish control 
and trust the enabling presence of God, his grace in my life, to be able to go up that hill, to push in, to get out of the valley, to be able to say, thank you, God. It's not by my strength. It's not by my might, but it's by your word. It's by your will. It's by your spirit, the Bible tells us. You and I cannot live the Christian life without the indwelling Holy Spirit. It is impossible. Galatians 2.20 says it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, if I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Jesus now lives in you through the power and person of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus came in bodily form, so he died and rose in bodily form. He ascended and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Guess what? In bodily form, in his resurrected form. There's a man sitting on the throne in the person of Jesus, the man God. And he sits there interceding for you and I. But he has sent the promise of this Holy Spirit from John 14 into us so that he does not leave us as orphans. Christ lives in me through the person of the Holy Spirit who can be in all places at all times and in all believers. Now that's good news. Holy Spirit is the power source like the fuel in the car who enables me to overcome the flesh and live the Christ life in the here and now. So I've talked about cars and I, I kind of want to draw aside and just talk a little bit about science. I mean, I'm not much of a scientist. I'm not much of anything really when it comes to those sorts of thinkings. But when you think about something, I'll grab this really quickly. When you think about the laws that are in effect at the moment, there's one law that's in effect at the moment. It's called gravity. You know, the old what goes up must come down kind of thing. When we throw something up in the air, it must come down. When, when, when a coconut falls from a tree, it falls with a thud. All of those things. The law of gravity is in effect there. And you see, when, when, when I throw it up and, and I remove my right hand, it falls directly to the ground. So I'm able to supersede or, or, or stop the law of gravity at work by being able to position something in its way. Gravity has its full effect. But let me move to another area, because to overcome gravity takes more than my hand. In fact, you can overcome gravity by using gravity to its full effect. And, and there's a newer law that can come into effect, just like the new law, the new covenant with you and I. This new law could be the law of aerodynamics, or in fact, the, the principle or law of lift. We, we can utilize law to overcome the law of gravity because lift is what will see a plane lift into the air. At the right speed and at the right trajectory, the plane uh, encounters lift and it lifts off the tarmac and it goes up, up, up into the sky. You know, in the first 21 years of my life, I only flew once and I think I was around about eight or nine years old, went up in a little six-seater plane and uh, got to sit in the front and uh, people were talking and I'd I shouldn't have eaten the pie before that, but I did. And uh, the pilot was going up and down and doing all sorts of things. I thought it was going to be a smooth ride, but man, he smashed me. 
But in the end of the day, I had vomited into a brown paper bag. You see, as this young boy, I couldn't understand, I couldn't fathom. Here I was up in the air and I was at the control of somebody else. But now that since I've turned 21, I've flown a number of times into a number of places and I've had the joy of being able to fly all the way across the other side of the world. When I'm in that plane now, because I know both the law of gravity and the law of lift are both in effect, I know that I am safe. But the question comes, I'm safe while I'm in that plane. What happens if I was to walk outside of that plane at 40,000 feet? Well, quickly, because I'm not designed to be able to utilize the law of lift, quickly I would fall to my demise. Gravity would overcome. But you see, in the plane, I'm safe and secure. So if I'm eternally secure through the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and if I'm internally free because the Spirit lives in me, then when I remain or abide in this place, like in the plane, I am positioned safely through Jesus and the work of his Holy Spirit. I'm able to overcome the law of death, the penalty of sin. I'm able to overcome those things because I'm, a new law is at work and I'm safe and secure, hidden in Christ. Romans 8.3 says, The law of Moses was unable to save because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we have as sinners. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by the giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Verse 4, he did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. There's that same clause that's found in Romans chapter 1 in other versions. The Christian life is a battle, yes, but the war is already won through the death and resurrection of Jesus at Calvary. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, who never broke one of God's laws, then you are well on your way home. The struggle then now is just part of our journey. Let me say it this way. While the spirit is in control, just like in the aeroplane, the power of indwelling sin is either mastered or in a better way, irrelevant. Pastor Bill used this, 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 this poem and I, I quite like it. It was quite an interesting poem. It's very short. It says, to run and work the law commands, yet gives me neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. Isn't that amazing? Here's another way. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Another way I can say it for you. Jesus couldn't have walked this life the way he did victorious without the Holy Spirit. He couldn't live sinless without the Holy Spirit. And to go through the terrible sufferings that, you, that he had to go through at Calvary on our behalf, he could not do so without the Holy Spirit. John 3, 34 says, tells us that God gave him the Spirit without measure. And Hebrews 9, 14 tells us that Jesus, through the eternal Spirit, offered himself to God. If Jesus so needed the Holy Spirit, then how much more do we need him? So our third point, I'm positioned safely through Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Moving on to our fourth point, I am able to renew my old thinking patterns through the Spirit. Romans 8, 5 to 8, let me read it to you, says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. Transformation comes along as I change the way I think and align myself to the truth of the word revealed by the Spirit. As a man thinks, so he is. There's a reality to that statement. Do we think on the desires of the flesh to only fulfill those desires much to our own disappointment? Or do we conform to the nature of Christ in us and allow our thinking to be on the things of the Spirit? Is a big question. What I focus on, what I put my attention to, will become or dictate what I become. Is my thinking based on my own strength or experience or on the transforming power of Jesus' Spirit who indwells me, the Holy Spirit? This is very important right now as we are in this terrible pandemic. Fear and anxiety are rife, but it's here that we must rely on the Spirit inside of us who points me to a clearer understanding and renews my thinking patterns through his direction and guidance in the Word. And I, for one, am thankful that our government took the, the response that it took, you know, because I believe we've saved many hundreds, if not thousands of lives by being in lockdown over this time. It's all up to God what happens from now on. And the wisdom that we get as we're allowed to step outside of our homes. But you know, when we apply these truths of walking in the guidance of the word of God through the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to overcome. Lastly, if point one was, I am eternally secure through the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I am internally free because the Spirit lives in me. Number three, I am positioned safely through Jesus and the work of the Spirit. And number four, I am able to renew my old thinking patterns through the Spirit. Then we need to understand, and number five, I am a home for the Spirit of God. Romans 8 and 9 to 11, our last verses of this passage today. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will raise Christ from the dead. Oh, sorry, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So here is the challenge. Does the Holy Spirit live in your house, this body, as a border? Or have you given him full access into every room of your life? If we can answer honestly in agreement with the word of God, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If we can honestly say that that is what we are and who we are, and we believe that the Holy Spirit has access and indwells us in our life, then we must come under the control of the Spirit and not the control of the flesh or other people's ideas or even their projections of us. 
Sometimes people's projections can have you put against a wall or people's projections can say to you that you should be doing this or you should be doing that. It's the spirit of God's job to tell you and commend you and encourage you and exhort you and to put you in rev into revelation to be able to understand who you are and where you should be. That's the job of the spirit and nobody else in your life. Come under his lead, come under his control, relinquish control to him. Let Christ be the one upon the throne of your life. Holy Spirit, as he takes up residence in you, will guide you out of these rough times. He has this week for me. He's picked me up. He's lifted me up with the love of a brother and, 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 and the extension of his grace into my life. He's removed the anxiety and he's replaced that with peace and hope and even joy. He will lead you into all understanding and will help you overcome in the security of a hope and future in Christ. And doesn't that sound like a good thing? Hope and a future in Christ. No matter what we are called into in this life, the Holy Spirit will help us to achieve and overcome church. I want to come to this place. And I want to come in close. I want to encourage you this morning. You cannot live this Christian life alone. You cannot do it without you will not overcome yourself in your own efforts. You need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life to be able to say, yes, I can achieve. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you're listening and you're tuned in and you don't know Christ, you haven't encountered the wonderful love and acceptance of Jesus today, I want to offer you an invitation to invite him into your life now to say yes, to give over your life's control to him, to seek out repentance and let him forgive you today. That you've lived life your own way and now you're wanting to live life God's way. If you want to invite Jesus into your life today and you want to say, yes, I want that for my life. I want freedom from anxiety. I want freedom from control. I want freedom from what other people think about me. I want freedom from an addiction and from the sin that I am compelled to do. Then let me say to you in your home, listening at home, wherever you are at work, doesn't matter. Whatever you hear right now, invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life through the work of the dying of Jesus upon the cross. I'd like to lead you in a prayer now. If you would like to do so, close your eyes with me and invite Jesus into your life. Lord Jesus, I come before you now and I rightly call you Lord because you are the Lord of this world. I acknowledge in your presence today and in the presence of this church that I am a sinner in need of a saviour. Lord, I cannot pay for my sin and I ask that you will forgive me. I ask that your blood would wash over me and cleanse me and that I would be set free from the law of sin and death and that I would be transformed into the, uh, under the covenant of grace, that I would be separated from those things of past and step into the covenant of the new. Lord Jesus, say with me, be my saviour. Lord Jesus, 
be my Lord. Forgive me, I pray. I ask you now for the Holy Spirit. Come into my life, Holy Spirit. Take up residence, indwell me. I want to be the temple of God. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your acceptance. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who seals me into your kingdom now. I am safe and secure, hidden in Christ, my Saviour and Lord. Amen. If you have invited the Holy Spirit to come and live into your life today, and if you believed on Jesus for the first time, I want you to click on the bottom of the link right now that says, I raise my hand. We want to get in contact with you. Click on the link, follow it through, fill in the form. We'd love to be able to follow you. Pastor Jamie or one of the team will be able to get in contact with you and encourage you. But if you have, for the very first time, have done, said that prayer and invited God to set you free, then welcome to the kingdom of God. All of those things I was talking about today comes through the security of what Jesus has done and by the power of the Holy Spirit who now indwells you. God bless you, church. It's been a wonderful thing to be able to share the word with you. It encourages me as I get into the word and I pray and hope that the word encourages you. God bless you and I'll see you next week. Bye for now.
Thank you very much for joining us here today. If you have um, responded in, in some way to uh, the message by clicking that raise your hand button, can I encourage you please do fill out the form just asking for a couple of details so we can check in with you. Now our service is, is over. I want to there will be a link up in the chat section. Uh, we'd love to just have a, a little video call where we get to connect with each other. Uh, anyone, if you're interested, able, we'd love you to join in with that and say hello to some people, some good people. For now, I want to close in prayer. I just want to pray a blessing over each of you as we go into the week ahead, knowing that God is real, God is there, and God is our hope. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you. I just pray a blessing over each person who's been watching, listening and engaged with this service. Lord, we ask that you would be near them, comfort them, lead them, guide them this week. We pray a blessing over their families, over their workplaces and over their households. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Bye for now.